0: Welcome to The Tech Between Us, brought to you by Mauser Electronics. I'm Raymond Yen, Director of Technical Content at Mauser. According to one report, the Internet of Things promises us 50 billion connected nodes by the end of the year. Connecting these billions of nodes has pretty much been exclusively through wireless networks like Wi-Fi or Bluetooth. But what if the thing you want to put on the Internet of Things is kilometers away from your gateway or has such a low power budget that Wi-Fi or even Bluetooth isn't feasible? enter the Low Power Wide Area Network, or LPWAN. To help us understand what makes these networks ideal for IoT, we have with us today Jason Tollefson, Worldwide Wireless Marketing Manager at Microchip Technology. Jason, welcome to The Tech Between Us. Thank you very
1: much, Raymond. Pleasure to be here.
0: So rather than being a single type of network, uh, the LPWAN is actually a category of wireless networks, which includes many technologies. And based on one recent report that I read, LoRa technology has surpassed the others, it's growing at over forty-five percent compact annual growth rate over the last five years. Jason, what is LoRa and what feature does it have that is catapulting it to the forefront of LP WAN?
1: Yeah, Raymond. So I think there's a couple of things. So LoRaWAN, of course, is is a specific kind of implementation of a network. So that requires someone to operate the back end, right? So the data is gonna go to this backend server and then eventually end up where the customer can do something with it. LoRa technology is different than LP WAN and uh LoRaWAN in that it's uh, long range radio technology. So uh, I guess depending on how that, that number is calculated, it could also include
0: the portion of the market for LoRa that is uh, non-LP WAN. So LoRa really is just a layer one technology on the wireless side, just a, you know, a, a radio link that's, that can be put as, used as part of a network or a peer-to-peer, however the end user wants to use that particular technology.
1: So it's, it, it is growing in all portions, right? So there's, there's definitely customers that are looking to use the back-end data um, services, for example. So uh, could be utilities, for example, are using uh, the long-range radio capabilities of LoRaWAN to collect information on electricity, for example, electricity usage or maybe street lamps. Uh, there's also the possibility in that 45% CAGR number that um, includes proprietary
0: technologies running on top of that LoRa radio. Are there different components that form the radio itself versus the, you know, the the WAN portion of that? Or and, and what are the the real differences? Are are, are they really the two interchangeable? So
1: interchangeable. That's an interesting uh, uh, way to put it. So they're they're not. You can't run a non WAN product simultaneously with a LoRaWAN network, because what you're really doing is running the protocol on top of that radio. So the protocol is usually part of uh, a host system. So there's either a host microcontroller, or in the example of uh, microchips, uh, standalone products, we have a standalone module where everything runs in one module, uh, including the uh, LoRaWAN stack. So, so they're, they are very different. Um, we have two solutions. One uh, that's a proprietary uh, peer-to-peer technology or star topology. And then, of course, we offer the lower WAN, which is, uh, again, helps you take advantage of the back-end systems that uh, many companies provide.
0: So, really, it's really up to the end user as to what, which implementation works best for whatever application they, they happen to be using. From a frequency standpoint, it, it appears that you know most of the implementations for LoRa are, are down in the the sub gigahertz ISM bands. So, um, how well does it cooperate, or how well does it play with uh, other technologies like Wi-Fi or Bluetooth? Uh, very well. So, uh, LoRa typically,
1: depending on the region that you're in, is going to run in the 900 megahertz uh, band for. For North America and many other countries, and in Europe, it's going to be in the 800 megahertz band. So those, of course, are far away from the typical Wi-Fi and Bluetooth, which is 2.4 gigahertz. So there's not a lot of opportunity for interference between those two.
0: And those are pretty crowded bands in general, um, you know, especially you know, the, the the 900 megahertz band. Do you see it playing well with with other networks and other technologies in that area in that in that particular band? I do. You know,
1: Laura. Typically, you know, you're, you're getting long range, uh, but there is one drawback, and that's bandwidth. So, Laura is really meant for sensors, whereas a Wi-Fi is meant for streaming data. So, Laura has a very uh, small bandwidth. um, So it's not really on the network or on on the band, let's say, for a very long period of time. And that's typical of most most products that are running on that 900 megahertz band, you know, they're typically not transferring large amounts of data, so they don't take up uh, time on the
0: network obviously we 're hearing all the time in the news about um, about networks getting hacked and security concerns you know um, particularly around wireless. What has microchip done to you know to mitigate any security issues around the lora network yeah that's a that 's a really important question
1: so there's there's really three ways we 've addressed security depending on that network topology that you 're looking for so if you're, if you're going to be doing LoRaWAN and uh, taking advantage of those back-end services, we've partnered with uh, uh, several companies to come out with a security chip that works with their network. So it's been pre-provisioned to work on those networks. And what it provides is um, basically identity. So it's, it it has an identity that is known to that network and cannot be inspected remotely. So you cannot uh, inspect that device physically, you cannot inspect it electrically, you can't read it out in the field. That can be paired with uh, one of these end sensor devices. Now a second level, That is associated with that is data encryption. So, you know, there's really three things that you build security on. It's uh, encryption, so hiding hiding the data that are being transferred over the network, identity, saying who you are, and then preventing people from uh, attaining that identity. Right. So, if you have those three things in place, which is what the uh, companionship that we offer for our Laura products does, that that Can ensure security on your network. When you're talking about a peer to peer implementation, we have a different solution based on very much the same technology. We have a product called the ATECC608, which provides that identity and also can um, ensure secrecy, right? So you can't inspect. Uh, what that what that stored key is. That can be paired with your private network. And again, you can take advantage of the encryption that's uh, embedded into our device. So for example, our WLR089U product contains data encryption. So natively on the device, as you're sending data over this network, you know, you can, you can say, okay, I am who I say I am. I'm, I'm, You know, I have secret keys that allow me to uh, interact with the other side of this network, and on on the device itself, we uh, encrypt that data. So it provides those three pillars again for uh, private networks that are peer to peer or star networks, uh, for example. So we we really have uh, customers covered. Um, in either scenario that they choose,
0: so multiple solutions depending once again um, whether they want to choose a full Laura way implementation or simply a peer to peer implementation. Similar implementations on two different sets of components depending on which way they want to go. So trust and go. I know that was part of the security. I mean, how does that, Jason? How does how does that fit into into the into the whole thing? And, and, and you know, this is once again just kind of an aside here,
1: yeah. So Trust and Go is is the name that we use to describe uh, pre-provision security products, and we actually have that for many different wireless. So we have it for LoRa, we have it for Wi-Fi as well. So Trust and Go, what you know, we have a, a that's a deep topic unto itself because uh, we have a whole whole uh, platform really of of security solutions for all kinds of different applications. But if you're talking specifically Trust & Go and wireless, um, the way it works is for LoRa, we've partnered with uh, several companies that provide those back-end services, and we have customized uh, keys uh, that can be purchased pre-provisioned so that customers, they can receive these devices and they're already authorized to use that network. And the advantage is, uh, you know, it really saves customers and customers from having to build an infrastructure of secrecy, so these are these are all pre-provisioned in our factories, which have a high level of security. So we've invested quite a bit to secure that facility. Um, there's many many measures to ensure secure um, secrecy, and and that would all be required by the customer to implement if they were to program these devices on their own. You can you can buy small batches uh, and still enjoy um, this. This
0: level of uh, secrecy that we provide. The each individual chip is um, is specifically serialized and has its own unique ID to be able to access the network that that whatever network it's provisioned for. And so we we
1: we've provided in a couple of ways. So we have uh, pre-provisioned you know for for the partnerships that we have uh, for Laura. We also provide a similar service for Wi-Fi with popular cloud providers. So. Very similar kind of uh, approach, just different um, services being provided at the back end of that, whether it's a LoRa service or a a Wi-Fi cloud service.
0: If I were an engineer who, you know, designing a LoRa system that wanted to use this level of security, I mean, how would I go about getting started testing it and and verifying, you know, end-to-end security through uh, through the platform? Again, it, it it
1: depends on which topology you're going to use. So if it's LoRaWAN, can simply just purchase the device, purchase the security uh, uh, element that goes along with the network that you plan on using – and again, it's pre-provisioned, so it's ready to go. Um, that's one approach. Um, if you're doing a peer-to-peer type solution, that might require uh, a different approach where you're you're going to customize that secure element to ensure that the two devices acknowledge each other. So that's a little bit of a difference. Again, it's up to you what level of security you want to use. If you're comfortable with, uh, let's say you're using... Your lower device as a door opener for example a long-range door opener you probably don't need to have complete uh identity security in that case you may choose to it depends on what your gate is opening to <laughs> but uh, you might decide that hey you know the encryption that i'm sending over this is is good enough you know so you may decide okay i'm going to put my own key into the device um and uh I'm going to encrypt that information and it's going to uh, work properly. I'm comfortable with that level. You may decide, you know, uh, this is actually for a bank and uh, we need a much higher level of encryption. In that case, you would want to work with our team, the security team on the ECC 608 to implement a security system that would allow for uh, secrecy of the key physical tampering security, so on and so forth, electrical security. So that additional level of of safety that you're going to provide.
0: So, once again, you know, the multiple levels of security, I mean, between just the encryption, base encryption, authentication, um, you know, even higher tamper resistance, anything's available. It just depends on what the customer's doing, how much security they feel that they need. And you guys are able, you guys, Microchip is able to come in and, and help tailor a solution to, uh, to whatever application they have. So hopefully um, that would take care of any, any issues with hacking, it seems like. That would, uh, rem- that would solve a lot of that if everybody did things like that.
1: Yeah, it's going to make it very
0: difficult. Very, very difficult. Right. With a range up to 15 kilometers, long-distance and low-power LoRa technology from Microchip is the ideal solution for cloud connectivity for such applications as smart agriculture, asset tracking, Internet of Things, and intelligent infrastructure. For those needing full LoRaWAN support, Microchip offers one-stop solutions with fully certified modules based on 32-bit ARM Cortex M0 Plus processors and a proven stack. Trust & Go LoRa secure authentication is provided via a standalone component pre-programmed with keys for popular LoRa networks. Get started by visiting mauser.com microchip or click on the link in the description. From your customers, are you guys seeing more LoRaWAN implementations? Are you seeing more interest in a peer-to-peer, almost a customized network implementation of the base LoRa physical layer? We see a lot more interest as time goes
1: on and people get to understand uh, LoRa technology. We see more interest in private networks, so peer-to-peer or or star implementation. So they're looking for the advantages of that long-range communication but they don't necessarily need uh, the back-end services and and uh, the typical kind of uh, cloud infrastructure that is provided with LoRaWAN. So LoRaWAN is maybe appropriate for certain applications, uh, such as a, a, maybe a manufacturing facility where that covers a large space and they want to have a coordinated uh, sensor network. Uh, but, you know, microchip, you know, has its roots in microcontrollers, and, and our customer base is vast and so there's many different applications that are beyond uh, that kind of uh, centralized location where there's a lot of sensors. There's, like I say, the door opener example, you know, customers are interested in doing simple things like that, or perhaps security networks is another option. You know? So we see a lot of interest developing in this peer-to-peer or star kind of uh,
0: topology where it's more of a proprietary network. I think one of the advantages of LoRa is the fact, you know, over things like, you know, the cellular NB-IoT or even other technologies where you can truly create a private network rather than being dependent on somebody else's infrastructure. For sure. Yeah. And and
1: people are very creative, uh, you know, and so there's the obvious models, uh, you know, like we were talking about uh, where NB-IoT has advantages as far as compatibility and, uh, uh, you know, nearby and, um, antennas and cell towers that can receive those signals. LoRa, you need a gateway, and that's a little harder to find at, at the moment. Or you need to set one up yourself, you know, so if you have a large factory, you'd need to uh, set up your own gateway. But there's advantages that come with with that, right? But, um, you know, Pete, like I said, people are very creative, and they see the advantages of, of LoRa uh, with its long distance. And also something that's not as uh, commonly talked about but laura has a very good link budget so that what that means is when you transmit what is the output power of of that transmitter and then on the other side of this is the receiver right what is the sensitivity of that receiver when you combine those that's your link budget and it's very high for laura that's how you can talk over uh, 10 kilometer range what that can also translate to is operation in harsh environments so, where you may have uh, thick concrete or um, lots of uh, metallic surfaces in in that environment, or thick glass, where you're trying to communicate into a space that is hazardous for human contact, for example, those are also good uh, options for Laura because of its its high link budget. So. You know, people are creative. They, they want to use uh, products in different ways and take advantage of its characteristics. So that's, that's kind of the lesser known uh, applications of, of LoRa technology.
0: Interesting. So, I mean, I did not realize glass was a, was considered a harsh environment. I, would, I guess technically it is a fluid, just a very viscous one.
1: Yeah, and, and what I really meant by that is, you know, a lot of times what you'll see is there's a process happening in a harsh environment where there might be dangerous gases or explosive uh, potential. So those will be behind some kind of protection. So you may need to have a good link budget to be able to communicate through this, uh, this protection, the this physical protection that's being provided. So that's, those are just some ideas uh, and thoughts
0: on where we're seeing lore being applied. And that's good to know. Once again, it's, so it doesn't necessarily have to be kilometers of distance. It's just simply a measure of how much signal strength you're able to get to that device out to the gateway itself. Whether it be distance or whether it be a you know, intervening material of some kind. Yep. Yep, exactly right. You've touched on some of the the creative applications. What types of applications are you seeing? Obviously, you know from you know the fact that LoRa kind of grew out of the requirements of the Internet of Things. Um, you would expect, like you said, most of them are going to be sensing type applications. What other sorts of applications or environments are you seeing your customers use LoRa in?
1: It's it's very much uh, IoT, right? So, uh, with the added twist of distance inserted so that's really the advantage of of laura over other technologies like 15.4 or, or wi-fi or ble for example it's that distance or the link budget as, as just described so it's it's the typical things um you see it in agriculture quite a bit you know for sensors in the field uh you see it in um Tracking, so there's uh, quite a few asset tracker applications that we see it in, including a herd. So herds of cattle, that's a popular one because they roam large distances. There's metering, so all kinds of meters. You know, In the, in the example I, I talked about a bit ago where you might have um, you know electric meters that are connected in this way or smart city where you have lights, street lighting that are interacting using LoRa because of the advantages of, of having so few gateways necessary, right? You can cover area of, of, you know, 10 kilometers. So if you make a circle out of that, you need one gateway um, every 20 kilometers. So that's, that's a big advantage.
0: And speaking of gateways, what types of equipment would you typically see in a in a LoRa network? I mean, we've talked about gateways. Um, are there are there any other types? I mean, I know in Wi-Fi you've got repeaters and things like that. Um, how is a LoRa network set up? You know, component wise. So again, it depends on that architecture. So if it's going to
1: be LoRaWAN, WAN, um, you're going to need a LoRaWAN gateway. So there again, and those are typically provided by third-party companies right so so they create a gateway and it could have uh Lora to wi-fi could have Laura to ethernet could have Laura to nbiot uh, for example but those are commercially available and then the second topology would be uh to to just have another Laura device so for example our, our wlr 089 product you can configure that as a as a peer-to-peer so in that case you know this uh call it a gateway, if you will. It could just be uh, another device receiving that and doing something with that information. So perhaps you're going to put it to a display. Uh, perhaps you're going to have some interaction like uh, you know, button control, whatever the case may be.
0: So you, you pretty much configure one node as a node and may potentially configure the other node as something different, even though they're both like you were saying peer to peer on a private network, yeah, the only caveat
1: to that is obviously if you 're looking for low power, you know typically that remote device um, is configured differently than than what would be the gateway, which would have to listen continuously right to receive that that output yeah that 's the really the biggest difference, so that that receiving device, if you 're doing a peer to peer that receiving device would be a mains powered kind of uh, application whereas the other can be battery powered.
0: Geographically, I mean are, are you guys seeing customers throughout the world or is it just one area that is, you know, for, you know, due to infrastructure or whatever, um that is, you know, adopting LoRa faster than others?
1: Well, Europe has definitely adopted LoRa faster than than the rest of the world, but um we're seeing a lot of uh, a lot of interest all over so we're seeing interest in China we're seeing interest in Australia we're seeing interest in North America in Brazil so we we have activity in in many places for Laura again for different types of applications some
0: Laura Wan, some not so it is truly a, a global a global network rather than being centralized in one area or another for sure absolutely from a component standpoint um Where are you guys heading? You know, from a from a component and a physical layer or or a radio standpoint, I guess is the best way to say it.
1: Yeah. So we're currently we're we're working with customers with our current technology. So that's the WLR 089 for module and our SAM R34 35 family. That's really our focus right now, and we're the investment on our side is happening right now is in the in the software so getting getting customers um the right tool chain to develop with to uh you know have the ability to make changes as the standard changes that's really where our efforts are right now and have been
0: for for some time so really, it should, you know, uh, make it easier for designers to implement LoRa networks, uh, especially on the on the peer to peer, or heading towards a much lighter network rather than the, you know, the full seven layer implementation of LoRaWAN. You know, there's so much
1: interest in that. That's really um, a way that we can serve our customers better. You know, they're looking for that long range capability. But they don't need all the, the back-end services. So that's that's one thing. I think one thing that's worth mentioning, too, that's kind of often overlooked is global certifications. So that's another area where we, we've been doing some investing. You know, when you bring out a, a technology like LoRa, you can use it in certain regions – pretty well. Like, so in Europe, you know, you certify it to, to the EU standards and it, you can use it in, in the vast majority of Europe, same with North America, but that's not always the case globally. So we've invested in, in certifications in different geographies as we've seen the business pick up. So for example, uh, Brazil, you know, that's, that's one place where we've, uh, made the investment to certify it so that customers can start to build out those either peer to
0: peer or lower wind networks. Yeah, I mean to be honest, I'm not even aware of the certification body in Brazil. It's called Anatel. (laughs) Obviously, we've got (laughs) CE and and FCC and Industry Canada, and you know, I'm familiar with all those. I'm not even I can't I couldn't tell you who who does the certification in Brazil. Yeah, you know, I've
1: been uh, in the wireless business uh, about three years, and that was a a big eye opener to me um, how different each country can be. As far as certifications go and and so it's a a pretty big effort and it's something that um, customers don't often understand going in and uh, so having a pre-certified module or pre-certified ic that can be uh, conveyed uh, those are those are important things because it's 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 tedious time-consuming, and expensive.
0: Very expensive. Yeah, in a previous life, I actually you know, took products through certification and, and it's expensive when they work the first time. However, that doesn't happen all that often and going back and trying to fix, you know, some strange anomaly in the RF signature can be truly painful. Yes, and, and
1: surprisingly, each country may have slightly different rules. So the software stack that goes with it to that country has to be customized, in some cases, and so uh, that's one of the advantages that that you find when you choose a, a pre-certified module. In these peer-to-peer or star applications, you know you always need something to connect to. So I, I really think that's where um, Microchip kind of shines. You know, if you look at our our product portfolio okay, you want to connect it to Wi-Fi, we have the ability to do that very easily with um, simple development kits, uh, mix and match, the stacks are available, all compiled in, in our Harmony uh, environment. You want it to go to Ethernet, same kind of scenario. So I think that's an, that's an important consideration too, is, okay, on the other side of this, how am I going to connect everything up? And because of our Harmony environment encompassing all of that, uh, I think that's a strong start to any application. You know, if you see yourself putting data out into the cloud, then uh those things are, are, are something you should consider along with your LoRa network implementation.
0: And and Harmony is, is also a piece of the overall development environment for microchip, the MP Lab environment. So, you know, customers can not only develop the wireless portion, they can develop the analog portion. They can develop the, you know, the processing portion all within that same environment and just using different modules to develop certain, you know, the, the different technologies within there. That's right. And,
1: yeah, that really, again, you know, if you're thinking time to market and complexity of development, it really helps quite a bit because the the real key advantage of Harmony is that all of these different Protocols that you're going to try to uh, put into your your host, right? You got a TCP/IP stack. Whether it's you're going to use it with Wi-Fi or Ethernet, that has to be combined with the LoRa. Uh, you know, whether it's just LoRa peer-to-peer or LoRaWAN. So that combination has already been vetted, and uh, you get you get that time-to-market advantage because of that. You know, you're not going to be fighting uh, resource conflicts. Uh, that are developed by trying to patch together these these uh, various disparate stacks.
0: You know, and making these available to pretty much everybody through you know the GitHub, through the development environment itself. You know, once again, it's it, it makes it so much easier to develop within a single environment rather than like you're saying patching it together a little bit here, a little bit there, and then trying to stitch it all together and realizing, wait a second, this is we've got conflicts left and right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So Jason, I want to thank you for for being with us for this episode of the Tech Between Us. I uh, really enjoyed our conversation on Laura.
1: Yeah, me too. It was a pleasure to be here. Uh, fun conversation, especially solar cows, and I uh, can't wait till you invent that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's no, seriously, it's been my pleasure and uh, great to great to
0: talk with you and your guests. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Tech Between Us. In our next episode, we'll discuss industrial automation and the future of robotics. Discover more Empowering Innovation Together content at mauser.com slash empowering-innovation.